Well, hey, God has a word in my heart for you. I'm, I'm going to, I think, give you a word that is on point, but doesn't have too many points, all right? Is that okay? And uh, But it's going to be strong, and it's going to be uh, followed up next week with a, a part B on this message. But can we just surrender our hearts to the Lord and ask him, even right now, to prepare us to hear something from him today. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you for your people. Thank you for your people, Lord. God, wherever we are on our journey, whether we are a baby in the Lord, whether we are someone who has come to that place of surrender in the Lord, or Lord, have found that place of full-fledged ministry, in you. Lord, wherever we are on our journey, God, we ask for your blessing today. And we say, God, speak to us now. We open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our spirits that we would receive something from you today that would be meaningful on our journeys. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you ever wonder if you are living the life that God intended you to live. I do. Like God, am I doing like really what you want me to be doing? Do you want me to be pastoring this church, do, doing all the things that I do? God, is this the life that you called me to, to live? Have you ever wondered that type of a question? It was George Washington who said this, and I think it is an amazing brilliant statement. He said, the whole duty of man, the whole duty of man is summed up in obedience to God's will. But I think a lot of us, and I've been here, where we say, fine, fine, God, I want to be obedient to you, but if I only could just be sure of what your will really is, how can I really know the will of God for my life? And here's the biggie. What if, like I think that, let's just call it A. A is God's will over here. This little thing called A. But really, God's will is B over here for my life. Come on, haven't you been to that place where it's like, there's maybe some multiple choice things going on and you're like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think this is God's will, but what if this is God's will? I'm confused. And, and in our worst moments, we might even kind of assume that God is playing some sort of like cosmic shell game, you know, with like with, with his will. Have you ever seen like the shell game or been to a Dodger game where they put the thing up on the screen and you're trying to follow the, you know, the bouncing and it's like, whoop, whoop. Boop, boop, you know, it's just moving around. And we think, man, that feels like what God's doing. It's like every once in a while, he gives me this little peek, right, at what his will is. Boop. But then he's like shuffling things around. It's like, I cannot even keep up, God. And I think on our worst days, we may even assume that his will is like that. And that it's like, it's almost unknowable. How can we know the will of God? The problem, one of the problems with this kind of thinking is that it can always leave us, we can call it chasing the dot. 
Now, I've entitled this message The Circle of God's Will, and like I said, we're going to come back to this and talk more about it next week. But you can almost imagine that some people view God's will like a, like a, a darts target, you know, where, where there's like the outer ring, there's a middle ring, but man, if you're really in God's will, you want to hit the bullseye. You want to be right in the middle of that target. That's where I want to be. I don't believe that God's will is really represented by a target. I believe it's represented by a circle. When we think that God's will is like a target, what ends up happening is like, it's that shifting center dot. And we can spend our lives chasing the dot, like hoping that I, like, I don't wanna just be on an outer ring of God's will, I wanna be in the middle of God's will where I believe that God's word actually shows us something different, that we can be in God's will and there may be more than one option for you or for me of what his will may look like in a particular given season or moment. If we end up being people who try to chase the dot of, of God's will, we might imagine that there is only one person on the entire planet that could be my soulmate. Only one person out of the billions of people that God has created, there's only one that I could be married and be happy with. I, I, I might believe that there is only one job that I could do and it's, man, if I just were to find that one job, then I would be happy, I would be fulfilled because that one thing is God's will for me. Or out of the entire big planet that he created and all of the beauty and all the wonder and all of the cultures, there's only one place that I could live to truly be fulfilled and to be in God's will. And I don't believe that that is what we see in God's word. And that's what we're gonna begin to start to unpack. What is this idea of the circle of God's will. Now, last week, I introduced the idea when we were talking about gray areas, places where there's not a lot of definition from the Lord about which way I should go, and we talked about how we can kind of begin to sort out how to know that I'm following God even in those gray areas. And I mentioned this idea of the circle of God's will. And listen, if you've ever met with me Privately, if we've ever spent time like over coffee and you wanted to talk about life, you wanted to talk about decisions, you wanted to talk about how do I know that I'm living a life that's really pleasing to God, it is more than likely that I took a piece of paper and drew a circle on it like this one that is on your note page there. And today and next Sunday, we're going to be exploring the circle, diving in. But today we're just looking at one passage of scripture. And it's found in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter one. And it's there on your notes. We're gonna get to verse 11 and 12 in just a moment. But I wanna set the context for you. Who was Paul writing this letter to? Well, it was people like us. He was writing this letter to people, and if you read the preceding verses in this chapter, what you're going to discover is that he was writing to people who were persecuted, who were facing challenges, some oppression. It was not all going perfectly for them, but here's the amazing thing that it says about these people, that they were growing in their faith, 
in Jesus, and they were growing in their love for others. Wow, in spite of the fact that they were like being challenged and persecuted as God's people. Now listen, I think that is like a fantastic testimony, right? If we have somebody come and stand up here and say, man, I've been going through the hardest time, but it has drawn me closer to the Lord and closer to other people, we would go, man, I want a faith like you. I want to live like you do. Because that right there, my friends, is not a boring faith. Man, I was listening to a message with John Tyson the other day, and he said this. I just loved it. It it caught me so hard. He said this. He says, if you think your faith is boring, guess what? I promise you, God thinks your faith is boring. (laughs) Oh, snap. (laughs) Think about that. If you think you have a boring faith, guess what? God agrees with you. You have a boring faith. Because the way that we have been created to live is in this place that even when we face hardships, that we can continue to grow in our faith in Jesus and also grow in our love for each other. So we come now, after Paul said this, we come to verses 11 and 12 in 2 Thessalonians 1. He said this, so in light of all those things, so we keep on praying for you. Asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. I don't know why I keep looking over at Lisa today, but I'm just looking at Lisa. That God would enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. So really quickly, I'm gonna share with you four things about this concept of the circle of God's will. Rather than chasing the dot and imagining God's will is like this target where there's only one thing that may be possible for you and me to do to know that we're in his will, I want you to follow me as I enter the circle of God's will. You ready? Four things. Number one, I am called out and I am called in. Called out and I'm called in. I believe this is like the foundational concept and truth about understanding God's will for our lives. And it's right there in, uh, in the scripture, in verses 11 and 12. If you read that, and you can just highlight it, you can underline it, where it says, live a life worthy of his call. We were called out of darkness. Bernadette, you are called out of darkness. But more than that, you were called into his light. We once were people who lived doing what we wanted to do. Lives were maybe bent on destruction or just trying to fulfill our own pleasure. We were out there. And he called us out of that and into a whole new way of living in Christ. We were called out. Everybody say called out. And called in. Peter gets after this. In 1 Peter 2, 9, when he says, you are a chosen people. 
You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he what? He called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Listen, we are people who were called out and called in. In other words, our lives should look distinctly different than the way they used to. I mean, like distinctly different. There, and that's why I call the circle of God's will, because there really is like a boundary there. Now, how do we define what that boundary of the circle is? Well, it's as we read God's word, and particularly as we read in the New Testament, man, we, we, are, we are shown so many different things that we are to step out of, no longer to be part of our lives at all. We looked a little bit of this last week. So we're to absolutely leave behind some things that used to represent our lives. But more than that, we're to step into things so that there's new things. The ways of Jesus that we are to now embrace and to walk into, his love, his mercy, his grace, right? The giftings, the talents, all those things that he's poured out on us. So we're not only leaving behind the old broken me, I am stepping into a whole new me in Jesus. Scripture tells us that we are like a new creation when we come to Christ. We like died with Jesus. That's the whole picture of baptism. We died with Christ as Christ died and was buried. We were buried in him, but guess what? He didn't stay dead. He rose to life. And so we are called out of all the old death and into life in Jesus, friends. Called out, called in. So that anyone looking at our lives today would see, oh, that person different. I used to know them. I knew them before. Now, Lisa could preach this message, right? Because not all of you knew the before Lisa. But Lisa didn't always look the way she looks right now. She didn't always have that light of Jesus pouring out of her. She'll tell you stories. And she's told some of them from this very platform about the life before, but she was called out and called in. Now listen, to be a person who wants to live in God's will, and to like George Washington said, like find your chief duty in life of being obedient to him, like being, being part of his will, can I tell you that this concept right here I believe is absolutely foundational. We have to know, have I truly done that? Have I stepped out of the darkness in invitation to his call, the call on my life? Have I stepped out of the darkness and have I stepped into the light? Now friends, that happens at that moment when we put our trust in Jesus because it's not our goodness that makes us all clean and washes us all, you know, makes us pure and get all the darkness out of it. That's what Jesus did on the cross, friends. Jesus took the penalty from all the darkness that we used to live in so that we can walk in the light. Praise the Lord. So it's not in our own strength, but listen, it is so foundational to understand this that when we step into his light, guess what, friends? We are in his will. Oh, come on. 
You used to not be in his will, but when you say yes to Jesus, and when you surrender your life to him, and when you say, God, I am now walking in your light, friends, you should celebrate. I should hear some hooting and holler. You are now in his will. Hallelujah. And when you're in his will, he's going to give you a whole lot of choice to be you in his will. Now, listen, next week we're going to get, come back to this. And there will be times when you are living in that circle of his will when he will give you a particular assignment. He says, Yvonne, I have a job for you to do. I have a mission for you. Will you accept this mission? And it's either kind of yes or no. It's like, I'm going to be obedient to the specific thing that God called me to do or not, right? We have, we have that freedom and that choice. But those are particular moments. Most of life is not lived in that like, go do this right now. I want you to be obedient to me and I'm going to bless that. We'll talk about that next week. Those come along sometimes. But in our day-to-day life, he's given us this big, beautiful, amazing world with millions of opportunities, millions of people who need to be blessed, millions of things that we could do. And he's like, come on, guys. I made you a certain way. Ben, I crafted you with a certain personality, certain giftings, certain passions that you're passionate about, that I'm not passionate about, that your wife's not passionate about. I've created you in a unique and particular way. So go be you, Ben. Like have fun going and being the Ben that I created you to be. And that's true for every one of you. Mia, welcome to big church. Last week she was in Safari Kids. Do you say welcome to Mia, right? Mia, God made you unique and special and gifted in ways that I am not and that your mom and dad aren't. He put different passions and he gave you a personality that's like no one else. And here's what we need to understand. God's fashioning of us is not a mistake. Well, why aren't I like that person? Well, you know, why, why can't I be more like Teddy and tall and good looking and athletic? <laughs> You know, it's like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you got dealt the hand, you got dealt with, <laughs> sorry, that was, that was terrible. Pastors should never say things like that. <laughs> Listen, but God did not make any mistakes. Who you are is by design. We read in Ephesians, oh my goodness, that we are God's masterpiece. Each one created with a special work to do before the heavens were even formed and fashioned. You were thought of in God's heart and mind. The unique and special you. Oh boy. And we get to have so much, take so much joy and so much pleasure going and being fruitful in this world that God created us to be in. And so... What is point number two? I've been talking about it now for five minutes. Much of God's will for my life is self-directed. Self-directed. And you're like, Pastor Tim, I don't know. Is that, is that like scriptural? Yes, it is. We read it. 
in verse 11 and 12 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And it's highlighted there for you in your notes. Because Paul talks about all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Come on, guys. Are you following along? Did I lose you? He's talking about all the good things your faith prompts you to do. He is going to prompt you by your faith in him to do things differently than me. I, I got my assignment. I got my walk. I've got the things that I know that he has gifted and called me to do and has formed and fashioned me to do, my personality, my gift mix, all that kind of stuff. The passion that he ignited in my heart when I was 19 years old to do what I'm doing, it's never changed. What passion has he put in your heart? He's probably different than my passion. Now, Lisa's a little bit similar, right? Because there's that pastoral call as a part of that, pastor God's people, right? What is your prompting? A prompting is like a nudge, right? It's not like you must do this right now. It's just a boop. It's a nudge. What is your faith nudging you to do? Go and do it. That is like this model of this, the circle of God's will. You mean it's okay? If I am in God's will, I've said yes to him, I've surrendered my life to him, I've left the darkness, I'm walking in his light to the best I know how, you mean I can like step over here and do this? Yeah. God may call you out of this church someday. And you know what this pastor says? If your faith prompted you to do that, you better do it. You better do what Maria and Larry Tahone did 25 years ago when they stepped out of this place and went and they're doing a ministry different than I could do a ministry here in this city. You following? What is your faith prompting you to do? Now we're gonna come back and talk more about this next week. But I want to leave you with one thought because I kind of started something last week when we were looking at Romans 14 because you may say, okay, well, I, I don't know. I, I have a big faith in Jesus. What, what, what would that look like? Can I tell you, it's always going to look like action. Remember, James tells us faith without action is dead. So whatever our faith is going to prompt us to do, it means actually doing something. Like stepping out and doing it. Last week and when we were looking at Romans 14, we talked about the fact that our faith is always going to lead us not to tear people down, but to build them up. And this is what I want to leave you with today. And it's there in your notes. Faith is never just about me. So if your faith is prompting you to do something, it, it, listen, it'll start with you, but it won't end with you. Like your faith means like, no, I believe that God has either spoken something for me to do or has made me in such a way in my unique talents, abilities, giftings, personalities, passions, that, that he created me to do this thing. I'm seeing something and I believe that God wants me to go do it. Go do it. It starts with you saying yes, but it's not going to end with you. It will always prompt you to do something that is of benefit to another. Yes. It'll start with you, but it won't 
end with you. So, what does that look like? Well, is what God prompting to you, uh, you to do, is it going to help someone else? Well, that sounds like Jesus. Is it going to cause that person to trust Jesus more? That sounds like that may be something your faith is prompting you to do. Will it cause someone else to feel more loved, more accepted, safer when they're around you, more resourced for life? You know what? Can I tell you? Man, that sounds like Jesus prompting you to go do something in faith. Is that going to help someone? Is it going to build someone else up in some way? That sounds like something that God may be nudging you to do. And in that circle of God's will, when you've already surrendered to him, come out of darkness into light, friends, I'm telling you, he's going to just prompt you to do stuff. Go do it. You don't have to be, but I don't have a word from the Lord about this. Yeah, you know what? The word was, I made you a certain way. I made you like this. And I put you right here. So go have fun in my name. Go be my ambassador. Go minister in my name, my authority. Go do it. Go do it. Number three, God's will will always bring Jesus glory. We read in verse 11 and 12, then the name of the Lord Jesus will be honored because of this way that you're living. Because you now live this way, like surrender to me, walking in the light, and now prompted by faith, you're getting out there and doing stuff. He says this, because of the way that you're living, Jesus will be honored. And then he puts in this kicker, and you will be honored along with him. Wow, this is incredible. So here's what we know, that when I am living my life for Jesus in his will, the one, it's my faith is gonna prompt me to do stuff that is going to be a blessing and a help to others. And I also know this, that what I do and the way I live is gonna bring glory to Jesus. In other words, it ain't about me. It's about him. I want to live my life in such a way that I bring him honor, that I bring him greater praise, that I bring attention to him. John the Baptist caught this. He caught it big time. In fact, we just read on Friday, if you're reading along in our church reading plan, SM4 260, you can pick up the information on the way out in the lobby. But listen, if you were reading along on Friday, I mean, just like two days ago, we read John chapter three, great chapter. In the back half of that chapter, we find the story of where Jesus' ministry intersects the ministry of John the Baptist. And there's this like, uh uh-oh moment of what's going to happen. Because guess what? When Jesus' ministry starts to rise, it says that people began leaving John's church. Oh, Poor John. So I understand. That's that's that is tough when God like leads people out the door. And but but they people were seeing Jesus and they were leaving John, it says, and going to Jesus. But some of those people that were like John's disciples and they were hanging around, they started to get offended for John. Like, is this okay? What what's wrong with this picture? 
And then John very beautifully describes, oh no, friends, you need to understand, it's all about Jesus. It's, it's all about him. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing, is because it's about him. And he says these words that I believe need to maybe just kind of be tattooed on us somehow in this idea that when we are in God's will, check out what John says. It's in John 3, verse 30. And he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. In other words, when I'm living in God's will, it is about bringing him glory. But lest we think that John was somehow like being this martyr, like, oh, woe is me, this is so terrible. No, we understand from what Paul is saying here that not only is this going to bring Jesus glory, because what he says, and you will be honored along with him. And you know what? 2,000 years later, we're still standing here today baptizing people the way John did. John the Baptist and we are speaking in honor of his name because as he humbled himself and allowed Jesus to be glorified in his life, we are still 2,000 years later honoring him. Yeah. Think about that. Think about our lives. Do we, I mean, man, if, if, if I'm honored 20 years after I'm gone, that'd be something. <laughs> you know, he's like, eh, forget that, forget, in with the new, right? Out with the old. 2,000 years later, we're still honoring this man, John the Baptist, because of how he lived his life in God's will, recognizing it's not about me, it's about him. And then lastly, number four, God's will is God-enabled. God's will is God-enabled. In other words, we are not doing this in our own power. We are doing this by the power of God of the spirit of God that Jesus gives us to accomplish his will. Because right there in verse 11 and 12, we read that as Paul is saying this, man, I'm praying that, man, you're gonna be blessed. You're gonna get out there doing all these things that faith has prompted you to do because you've been called to, do, to live this way. But he says, may he give you the power. And then he finishes with this incredible statement. This is all made possible. What? That you are living in this circle of God's will, running around free to represent Jesus as he created you uniquely to do. And he says, this is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is always God's power. His grace on you to do a certain thing, to be the wife that he's called you to be, the husband that he's called you to be, the employer, the employee, the neighbor, the friend, the student, the child in a home, all these things, all of these particular assignments that God may have on his life, we get to flourish in them, not because of our own ability, but because of the power that he gives us to live out who he called you to be. It's because of his grace, because of his power, that we can live as fruitful people in this, what I call the circle of God's will. Amen. Let's pray. Listen, I think today, I think probably the biggest question that I would, I would want to just have you meditate on as we turn our hearts to Jesus and pray in prayer. 
I just want to ask you really basically, have you stepped out of darkness and into his light? That's the first call. That, that is the first call. And without that, with, without doing that, none of the rest of this makes any sense at all. Because if we're still like living out in the darkness or if we think that we can still have like one foot in and one foot out, friends, I'm telling you, it just doesn't work that way. Life just gets all jinky and weird and hard and miserable. God has called us out. There's a call on your life. And I don't know each one of your stories individually yet. But I do know this, that there is a way that hell has planned. The strategies of hell for your life is to keep you bound up and trapped in darkness and out of that place of God's will where there's gonna be fulfillment and life and even honor. But if we never take that step, make that decision, saying, God, I am surrendering my life to yours. I am abandoning that life of darkness and walking into your will. Then none of the rest of this makes any sense. And we're going to, I'm sorry, but we're just going to get trapped in places of unfruitful living, destruction, and even death away from Jesus. So today, friends, I just invite you, step in. Step into the circle. Step in to what God has for you right now. You don't have to wait. In fact, I just want to give you the opportunity. If, you're, if you know that you've been living either outside of his will in darkness or you have been somehow living, trying to live with one foot on either side of that line of that circle and you say, Jesus, today I am making a commitment. I am stepping into the light. I just want you to just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I today am stepping in. Yeah, bud, I agree with you. Yeah, several. Thank you, Jesus. Step in. Yes. Step in. Anybody in the courtyard? I'm looking out in the courtyard. Step in to his will for your life. Ma'am, I see see your hand too. Anybody else? Anybody to your left and my right? Yeah. Sorry, I missed you. Yes. Jesus welcomes you. See, we fear rejection. We fear like some sort of condemnation on our life. Oh, but man, another thing that Jesus says in John chapter three is that God sent his son into the world not to condemn, but to save. This is for our salvation. This is for our freedom. This is for life, for life, fruitful life in him. Jesus, thank you for what you are doing in each one of our stories. And God, we pray that we would be people easily prompted by faith to do your works, to do your will. Lord, let none of us be people who live fruitlessly and aimlessly, or even as people who who are trying to find your will and but think that we can't find it. God, our, our, our mission is to be who you have called us to be, being prompted by faith and getting after it and going doing your work in Santa Maria and beyond. 
So help us, Lord, empower us. Empower us by your spirit. Empower us by your spirit. Empower us by your grace. Jesus, thank you for your power, the power of your Holy Spirit that animates us and causes us to be fruitful. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You are loved. Have an awesome day.